Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Parables. Jesus oftentimes used these short stories to teach people. Sometimes the parable opened people's eyes to the profound truth of God. Other times the parable was symbolic and challenged people to go deeper in their faith. But with every parable, Jesus wanted people to live out the reality of what they learned. This summer, we'll be studying some of the parables that Jesus used so we can discover and live out their truths in our lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website, www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. My name is Clark Poff. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm excited about this series that we're in. It's on the parables of Jesus. And one of the things that we need to understand about the parables of Jesus is Jesus oftentimes took these simple ideas, these simple concepts, and yet he taught deep spiritual truths about them so that we could understand them and take them into our lives. So if you would, just in preparation, would you bow your heads and I'm going to pray. God, as we come here, Lord, as we come into this place, as we've worshipped you and we've praised you, Lord, now we're going to open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would give us an understanding about what it means, not just to believe in you, but to, to listen to your word and to follow it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's parable has produced a well-known term, a well-known idiom in the English language. Uh, The idiom is a good Samaritan, and we know what a good Samaritan is. A good Samaritan is a person who selflessly helps somebody else, and and generally that somebody is in distress. And so, you know, it's interesting how that term has gotten into our vocabulary. So we're going to look at the parable. It's from Luke chapter 10. If you want to follow along in a Bible, you can. It's also going to be on the screen. And this is Jesus speaking. So let's just see this setup here beginning in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, this is what Jesus said. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. 
And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So you need to understand some things about this parable. When, when Jesus created this story, he included some details that meant something to those in first century Israel. They would understand what he was talking about. And since you and I weren't raised in Israel and you and I didn't grow up in first century Israel, I'm going to give you some of that backstory information. The first thing that, that Jesus uh, began the story with was he, he said that, they traveled from Jericho to Jerusalem. So, I mean, from Jerusalem to Jericho. So anybody in first century would know, whoa, wait a minute. Um, that's the most dangerous 17-mile road around. Bandits and criminals live in the caves around there. They come out and they regularly rob people. And so it's a really dangerous place to travel. And immediately on hearing that, the audience's senses would have been heightened and they would have been filled with suspense. Now, something else you need to understand. As the three ventured down the road after the man who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead, we see that these three people would be people that the audience would immediately have a recognition about that maybe not, would, would not be the same for, for you and I. Uh, the first was a priest. The second was a Levite, and the third was a Samaritan. So let me just walk through those in order. Uh, a priest, a priest was a leader in the religious life of Judaism. Remember, uh, the life in Judaism was focused around the worship of God. And priest, whether he was uh, in a local synagogue or uh, at the temple, would be somebody that people would respect, but people would know had authority. People would know that they were the religious caring leaders of the community. Uh, the next person in line would have been the Levite. Levites were those people, those servants who were chosen to work particularly in the temple grounds, uh, taking care of the sacrifices, taking care of the worship of God that, was, uh, that went on there regularly. And so these people uh, had some authority and they were held in high respect. The third person would not be a person who was seen as an authority, would not have been a person that was held in high respect. In actuality, a Samaritan to the ordinary average Jew would have been held in very low respect. In fact, disrespect. So what's going on there? You need to understand something about uh, Samaritans and about uh, Jews. So um, historically, uh, there, there's three, there's several regions in the, in the country of Israel. There is Judea. Judea is the area that Jerusalem is in. It's, it's like we could call it a county. Uh, then above Ju Judea is Samaria. And uh, Samaria has a capital, capital. It's not very creative. It's also named Samaria. And above Samaria is Galilee. And in Galilee is where Nazareth was, where Jesus uh, grew up. It's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. Okay, so, so those are those three different areas. Samaria is populated by the Samaritans. And the Samaritans uh, have an interesting background. So uh, back, uh, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years before this experience that Jesus was teaching in, uh, Assyria had come and invaded Israel. And, and when they invaded Israel, they took many of the leaders of Israel and Jerusalem as captives to Assyria. Uh, but they also sent back Assyrians, Gentiles, non-Jewish people to, to live in the area. And what happened was 
uh, as they lived in the area, uh, they began to intermarry into the Jewish population. And as they intermarried, they also brought in their religious practices. And so uh, these people who eventually became known as Samaritans didn't practice Judaism the way that Jews did. Uh, they, they weren't... Uh, uh, of a pure Jewish background, and that was very important to Jews, that, that, you know, if you grew up as a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, you would marry a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, that, that you would not marry outside the faith, that you would carry on uh, the line of being, uh, as they had been called and understood themselves, as God's people. So, so this was very important. So because of this, uh, Jews and Samaritans developed uh, honestly, a mutual hatred to one another. Um, so they, they didn't like each other. They didn't socialize together. They didn't like to do commerce with each other. They really didn't want to have anything to do with each other because each of uh, the others thought the other was wrong. And, and to top it off, their words and actions to one another had been uh, disrespectful, if not worse, throughout the centuries. So that's the context. Honestly, I I've read in commentaries that sometimes it was so horrible that Jewish people who needed to go from Jerusalem to Galilee or Galilee to Jerusalem would not take the shortest distance between two dots, a straight line. They would actually go around, out across the Jordan River into Decapolis and then over to Galilee. Why? So they wouldn't have to interact with any Samaritans. I mean, that, that's how dysfunctional and how hated it was. So with that understanding, because Jews saw Samaritans as half-breeds, uh, that was why this story was so shocking. Because, honestly, in the progression of authority, they, they saw the priest who had been at the top of the authority in Jewish culture, then down to a Levite, it was a little less authority. So the next person probably, in most people's minds, would have been, you know, uh, just your average, ordinary follower of Judaism. You know, uh, a person like uh, that Joseph is described uh, as in the, in the book uh, of Matthew. And so that's what they were expecting. But when Jesus said a Samaritan, that just blew the doors off of everybody's mind. There probably was an audible gasp in the, in the audience when this. So... Um, you got to understand that context. Now, let's go back and, and see how the story starts, all right? So there's this expert in the law. He's seeking to test Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus drives uh, home with this, uh, this expert this question that he hopes he'll answer right, and he does. So um, he says, what's written in the law? And the man answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those of you who are familiar with the Gospels of Jesus, you understand that that's the great commandment and the second one is like it. So love God, love your neighbor, all right? And Jesus says, do this and you will live. But... Look at the commentary we get next. But the, the expert in the law wanted to justify how he had been interpreting this law, how he had been living. And so he asked Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? What's he getting at? Theologian Daryl Bach writes this. 
This expert's question is really an attempt to create a distinction, arguing that some people are neighbors and other people are not neighbors, and that one's responsibility is only to love God's people because those are truly our neighbors. And the suggestion is those people who aren't our neighbors, they're non-neighbors. And that's what Jesus is responding to, and that's why he tells this story. You know, as I said, he launches into this parable to make sure that his followers then and in every century follow up to us today, that we would know what it means to be a neighbor. And as I said, Jesus' story was shocking because these faith leaders who were assumed to be people of compassion and kindness just walked on by. They just walked on this by, by this man who was beaten and near death. Now, if you study what people write about this, some people want to give the priest and, and the Levite uh, a pass because they say, remember what it says in the Jewish law. The Jewish law, the first five books of the Bible, all right, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's considered the, the Torah, the law of Judaism. And it says this uh, in the Jewish law that you are not supposed to touch a corpse. You're not supposed to touch a dead person. Why? Because if you do, it will make you unclean, ceremonially unclean. And if you're ceremonially unclean, you're going to have to do something about that. You'll be unclean for seven days at the end of the, and you won't be able to practice any of your faith or participate in the religious community. And at the end of those seven days, you'll have to go through a, a series of ritual cleansings. So the speculation is that this priest and this Levite did not want to become unclean. They didn't want to touch a dead body. They wouldn't want to have to deal with that, all right? There, there, there's this idea that that's why they give them a pass. Unfortunately, if you know anything about Judaism, you know that uh, you know, back after the, the Jewish law was given thousands and thousands of years ago, within less than a thousand years, they began to produce a commentary on the, on the Jewish law. It's called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, it basically explains how does one live out this law? How do you interpret it? Much like commentaries on the Bible uh, help us explain and understand things of Scripture that are hard to understand. And so, interestingly enough, in the Mishnah, there's this passage that says, listen, if there's no other family members around to take care of a corpse, a priest can do it. A priest can touch the dead body. So listen, this priest, this Levite would have known that. And so they don't get a pass. And so again, Jesus story is shocking because people would have said, wow, you know, our leaders, the people that we expected to have compassion and kindness didn't do it. And, and whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? A Samaritan, our enemy, uh, the people that we hate, the people that we were grown up teaching, don't associate with them, don't talk to them. They're mean, they're bad, they're half-breeds. You don't want, to want your kids to play with them. You don't want your, your children to grow up and marry one of them, stay away from them. Wait a minute, this person, this person has pity on this wounded man? They were shocked. They were shocked. But that's what happens. 
Samaritan sees the wounded man. He has pity on him. It means he has compassion for him. He wants to go and help him. So he does. He goes there and, and he does uh, first century first aid. All right. He, he gets some bandages out. He gets out some oil and wine and it puts it on the wounds. He, he takes care of him. He stops any of the bleeding. Um, then he uh, puts him on his own donkey. And so and then he takes him to the nearest inn. And he, he gets a room and he, he takes care of the, this person, uh, probably helping feed and uh, give him water, uh, you know, changing the bandages, making sure that there's no infection going. And, and then eventually the Samaritan has to continue on his journey. And, and so he goes to the innkeeper and he says, listen, I, I've got to take off, but I'm going to be coming back. So I'm going to give you two denarii uh, to take care of this wounded person. And when I come back through... Uh, I'll settle up if there's any outstanding bill. Now, big picture in those days, they didn't have hospitals like they do today. And, and so innkeepers oftentimes uh, performed a, a whole bunch of functions. So this would have not been an out of the ordinary ask. And so he does it. And by the way, uh, two denarii, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't translate in our, uh, our vocabulary. Two denarii would have been about two days worth of pay. And, and so uh, he, he was doing a lot to care for this person. He was being extremely generous with his time and his resources. So when Jesus concludes the story, he returns back to that question that precipitated the whole parable, which was, who is my neighbor? And, and he, he knows that the story has sunk in and so he turns to the expert in the law and he said which of the three of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers you know in my mind as I think through what that situation looked like I, I can imagine that this expert in the law was beginning to get a little embarrassed he was probably turning a little red why because an expert in the law, whether, whether he was a, a, a biblical law scholar or a legal law scholar, um, he would have been on the same level of intelligence and training and learning, maybe even authority as the priest or the Levite. So, you know, the Levite and the priest didn't take care, was not a good neighbor. And so he has to answer the question knowing that maybe uh, the finger's pointing at him because you're of the same uh, caliber of person. And he also knows who was the good neighbor, but he doesn't want to say the Samaritan. And so he says, the one who showed him mercy. Right, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. But here's the big picture. Jesus was challenging the status quo. Uh, the expert in the law would have said loving your neighbor applies only to the people who are part of your clan, only to the people who are part of your ethnic group, only to the people who are part of your religious background. All other people, he would have said, are non-neighbors. You have no responsibility toward your non-neighbors in this expert's mind. And that was the status quo of Judaism at that time, even though the scripture said what he had quoted earlier, love God with all your mind, heart, strength, love your neighbor like you love yourself. 
in this parable, Jesus is restoring the truth of God's word and what it means and how it's supposed to be applied. Let me go back and share with you a quote from Daryl Bach again. He says this. He says, it takes eyes and ears to be a good neighbor as well as a compassionate heart. The one major difference between the priest and Levite on the one hand and the Samaritan on the other is not what they see and hear, but what they do with what they see and hear. Only the Samaritan takes pity. Only he has a heart. Neighbors are people with a heart that does more than pump blood. It sees, it feels, and it serves. Here's what Jesus wanted his audience and his followers then to see and what he wants us to see. If if you've trusted me as your Lord, as your leader, if you've trusted me to be your Savior, then now you need to follow my teaching. And Jesus wants his teaching to be understood. So, Uh, To follow Jesus' teaching means to love God and to love people. Uh, Let's assume we all have the loving God part down. Uh, So what do we need to do to look to love our neighbor? Let's look again at what the Good Samaritan did. The Good Samaritan saw his neighbor. The Good Samaritan served his neighbor. The Good Samaritan continued to care for his neighbor. So let's look at us. Let's talk about this. Serving your neighbor. Serving your neighbor. Look, uh, I'll be the first to acknowledge it's hard to serve people sometimes, all right? Uh, um, excuse me, it's hard to, to see people like you see them. Let's talk about seeing your neighbor. It's hard to see people like God does. I, I remember this. We moved to Connecticut 20 years ago this summer. And, and when we moved here, um, the first two weeks, I only met two of our neighbors. And we live in, a, in a, a nice neighborhood with lots of houses. The first neighbor came over in a couple of days. She introduced herself. She brought us some, some nice homemade bread. And apparently the word was out on the street. The, the, the gossip grapevine was uh, working. And they knew that a pastor was moving into the neighborhood. And so she uh, came over, introduced herself, and said, Hey, uh, I, I know you guys are starting a church. We're not going to be part of it. It's like, what? Uh, okay, it's nice to meet you. Um, and uh, the next neighbor actually didn't introduce herself to me. She was walking her dog. I'd seen her walking her dog one day, so I made an intentional decision to go out and meet her. I went out and introduced myself, shook her hand, said, I'm Clark. Um, and she said, oh, you're the new minister in the neighborhood. And she kept on walking. I I was seeing my neighbors and I was trying to connect with them. And, um, uh, you know, I I was learning that being uh, more than I'd ever learned before, that uh, being a pastor sort of comes with some occupational hazards. Um, People want to see you, but they don't want to connect with you. So I'm talking about seeing as connecting, okay? Seeing as connecting. So let's think that through for for a minute, okay? Um, Remember the context of the parable. Jesus expands the definition of who a neighbor is. It's beyond the person who lives in your neighborhood. It's anybody that you encounter. A neighbor is anybody you see. And there are no 
non-neighbors. So the people you work with are your neighbors. The people you go to school with are your neighbors. The people you care for in your job are your neighbors. The people you rub elbows with at the YMCA or the uh, uh, place where you work out are your neighbors. The people that you see at the coffee shops or the restaurants, they're your neighbors. Whoever you see, they're your neighbors. And as followers of Jesus Christ, We're called to see them and connect with them. And as followers of Jesus Christ, remember, there are no non-neighbors. That means that we have to cross any of the boundaries that we have set up in our lives about who we shouldn't connect with, who we're not supposed to talk with, who we're not supposed to to rub shoulders with. Uh, You know, uh, growing up, um, you may have picked up some of that uh, consciously or unconsciously. There's nobody who is a non-neighbor, all right? So what does that mean? So as followers, we need to cross all of the prejudicial categories and see and connect with people regardless, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their religion, regardless of their political views, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their lifestyle. Seeing our neighbors means taking time to say hello, taking time to connect with them. It means getting to know them. It means asking about what's happening in their lives, getting to know about their families, you know, you know, I'm just going to share with you what I do um, because I don't think I have a great memory. And so after I meet somebody, uh, I'll grab a piece of paper or my phone and I'll make a note. I met Sam and Sam has three kids. She's got two in college and one in high school. And, and, I, and I'll do that. Why? So the next time I remember her name and that she has three kids. And so we can build upon that uh, that way. You know, it's just something simple to do. Why? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us this, that we're ambassadors for him. That means we're his representatives. And we represent, by the way, we represent him 24-7. It's not optional to only do it on Sunday mornings, okay? Um, You're his representative 24-7, all right? And think that one through. There may be a little conviction coming. So you may want to recognize that, oh, wow, Yep, Uh, since I believe in him and I follow him, people look at me as his representative. You are, all right? So just own that and live with that and give him the best representative that he can have. So connect with people, see them and talk to them and care for them in that way. Here's the next thing we need to do. We need to serve our neighbors, okay? The good Samaritan saw the beaten and wounded traveler and it says he had pity on him. That means he had sorrow and compassion for this person who had been taken advantage of. The good Samaritan saw the person's needs and immediately sought to serve him. How can you serve others? You know what? We all need relationships. So when you connect with somebody, start to build a relationship. Say, hey, you want to go get coffee and talk? Hey, why don't you come over? We're having a barbecue on Saturday night. Come over and join us for our barbecue. Or invite them out to dinner. Do something with them. Connect. You know what? Because we all need friendships. We all need relationships. When you give yourself in a relationship, you're serving somebody else. We all need help. Maybe you see somebody that's doing a task at work or or in your next door neighbor's house or something and say, hey, I see you're doing this. Can I lend a hand? All right. 
you know, being a follower of Jesus Christ is, is making ourselves available, and it's, it's looking out for others, okay? Um, what about life changes? We all go through life changes. Here's just a couple. You know what? If you know somebody that has, has a new baby, you know, uh, connect with them. Uh, ask them if you can bring a meal. If you're not a cook, uh, bring them a gift certificate to a local restaurant. Um, you know, if it's winter, shovel their, their driveway. If it's summer, mow their grass. You know, do whatever you can do to serve them. Or maybe you know somebody who has a, has a death in the family. You can do all the things I just said, but you know what? Show up at the wake. Show up at the funeral. Be that kind of friend. Do that. That's, that's serving others. Seeing and serving our neighbors is important. But we also need to care for them. So let's talk about caring for your neighbor. You know what? If your neighbor tells you something that's concerning them, you know, here's a response. Hey, I'd like to pray for you about that. Can I do that? Just ask them. Because number one, that you can just say, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian and I, I believe in the power of prayer. I'm going to put that on my prayer list. Or if you think the time is right, I would encourage you and exhort you. Can I pray with you right now? All right. I know some of you are going, whoa, that's pushing me. That's not Clark. That's Jesus who's pushing you. Trust him. He'll give you the words to say. And whatever you do, make sure you take note of that prayer request and keep praying about it and then follow up with that person. Why? Because it says you care. I know you care, but when you follow up with them on it, it says you care. So connect with people that way and pray with them. You know, the Bible says this in, in the book of Romans chapter 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Well, there's people all around us that are weeping and rejoicing. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're actually commanded in Scripture to step into their sorrow, to step, step into their celebration and celebrate with them. You might say, well, you know, my neighbor just got a brand new car and that stinks. Mine's 12 years old. <laughs> celebrate with your neighbor. You know what? Yours is paid for, so you got the better car. All right? Um, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Caring for your neighbor also means this. It, not just caring about their life here on earth, but caring about their future eternity. You know, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, um, we need to recognize that we need to be willing to share with others that we believe in Jesus Christ and he's my hope in this difficult life. He's my hope for eternity. He's my hope for the future of the world. And we need to be willing to share that. You know, in the book of First Peter, it, it says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. Are you prepared? You need to be. And then it says this, do it with gentleness and respect. Don't beat somebody up with Scripture. Don't tell them they're a sinner and they're going to hell. Care for them. Just share with them what you have experienced. You know, the truth of the matter is, every Christ follower has come to deal with the fact that we all are sinners. 
and outside of the save the salvation that we receive in Jesus Christ, we would be going to hell. But that's not the first conversation, okay? Uh, share with somebody about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. All right? Now let's get personal. Who's that person that God has placed in your life that you need to be a neighbor to? Who does God want you to see and connect with? Who does God want you to serve? Who does God want you to care for? And when the opportunity is right, share the hope that you have in Jesus. This isn't optional. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's part of the calling of everybody who has believed in Jesus. We're called to live this out. Now look, I believe this sincerely. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were given the power of the Holy Spirit. So caring for people can be hard. Uh, Connecting with people can be hard. Serving people can be hard. But you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit who can work in you to help you do things that you didn't think you could do because you didn't think it was humanly possible. Now, I'm going to just share this. Uh, If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're in here today, I've just sort of opened the door and given you an inside view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing that we do can we do without the power of the Holy Spirit, which God pours into each of our lives when we decide to believe in and follow Jesus. And so as I bring this message to a close, I want to give anybody that's never believed in Jesus the opportunity to profess faith in him today. Just talk to him in a prayer in just a minute. But then I'm going to pray for each one of us that we can be the kind of neighbor that Jesus calls us to be. So I'm going to invite everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads and and just join me in this time of prayer. So uh, just to start off with, if you've never uh, told Jesus you believed in him and accepted him as your Savior, this is your opportunity to do that. And I'm just going to give you some phrases to pray. You can pray them silently at your seat. So here you go. Uh, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Go ahead and tell him that. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Tell him that. I believe that you rose from the dead and defeated sin and death. And now I want to follow you all the days of my life. And we're going to say an amen to that prayer, but still keep our eyes closed and heads bowed. Now for all of us here, Lord, I I pray for each and every one of us that we would uh, embrace and embody what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that we would understand that Jesus has called us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and and we're pretty good at knowing how to love ourselves, so help us love our neighbor like that. Help us see them and connect with them. Help us to serve them and care for them and help us be the kind of follower you want us to be in this world. Give us the strength and the courage through your Holy Spirit to do this and help us honor and glorify you in all that we do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.